Hey, you're listening to a sermon from Ketchikan Church of the Nazarene. Thanks for listening. If you'd like more information about our church, you can visit ktnnaz.org, visit us on Facebook, just search Ketchikan Naz, or you can download our free app from the iPhone store or the Google Play store, just search Ketchikan Naz. Thanks for visiting. Hope the Word of God speaks to you today. Good morning. <laughs> Some of you guys are probably saying, that's not Pastor Peter. You're right, I'm not. <laughs> he has more hair. For those of you, he has more hair? Oh. Probably some truth to that. He just shaves his really short, doesn't he? <laughs> wow, it's so nice to make you feel welcome up here. <laughs> Love the church family right there. For those of you who are visiting this morning, our regular pastor's not here this morning. He's up. In the Anchorage area, his daughter received a scholarship of some sort. They went up for a ceremony for that. So it's pretty exciting that they got a chance to go spend some time as, as a family this weekend before school begins together up there to receive that award. And we we're just excited that they had that opportunity to be together as a family for a little bit before school starts. And, uh, but we're happy that you guys are here today. And uh, I'm excited to be able to preach this message this morning, being that it's a back-to-school blessing. And for those of you who don't know anything about me, I'm the principal at the high school. And so it is, it is exciting to, to know that, that we've got a church that, you know, it's more applause than I get from my kids, so thank you very much, I appreciate that. Um, but it's exciting to know that we have a church that really cares about the youth, not only in our church, but also cares about the youth in our community. And I appreciate that you guys want to take time to pray. And this morning, we'll, we'll take that time at the end of the service. But this morning, I thought we'd, we'd, we'd challenge your hearts a little bit with some things. Um, and as a principal, uh, I always challenge the freshmen when they come in with this particular uh, analogy that we're going to be looking at today. Um, but, you know, here we are starting school again. And for some families, this is a huge milestone. You, you may have a preschooler that's beginning. You may have a kindergartner that's beginning for the first time. You may have somebody who's starting middle school for the first time. Maybe somebody who's starting high school for the first time, right, Nia? Yeah. <laughs> some of you may have some kids that, that are actually at the college level at this point, and you're sending them away for the first time and having to, to, to deal with, with all those emotions. And it, it's really important to know that even though you have all those emotions and there's that fear of the unknown, we have a God that is more powerful than all those things, and, and he can and help you in those circumstances and, and if you trust in him, I know it's difficult for parents to, to always want to trust in what's happening at school. But at some point, we just have to let go and let God, right? It's easy for me to say, but I'm also a parent. And I've got kids of my own, and it's, it's fun to watch them start their new school year. This year, my kids get to start a new school. They've been going to one of the schools in the community. We've moved into a different school based on some things that are happening in our life. And I know they're anxious, and we're anxious to see how that works out. But every, like I said, every school year, we have the opportunity to spend some time with our incoming freshmen. We did that this last Friday in our orientation. And I always challenge them with the idea of what type of person do they want to be? And I give them three examples of three types of people. And so we'll go over that this morning. And, and the focus isn't just going to be on what I share with them, although I will share with you exactly how I put it in context at the high school level. But I'll also try to put it in maybe a Christian context for us to think about what kind of person does God want me to be when we talk about these examples? So even though scripture might not necessarily lay it out exactly the way I have, I know that there are verses that back up um, these examples here. So the first person I want to talk to you guys about is the person that makes it happen. 
And what does that mean? You know, there's three types of people in this world. The first one is the one that makes it happen. Well, when we challenge our kids at the high school level, we say these are the ones that get involved. These are the ones that work towards their learning. These are the ones that go all out in their experience at the high school level. It's not just about making the grade, but it's also about finding those activities that they're excited about being a part of. Uh, maybe they're a musician, so they join the band. Maybe uh, they're into singing, so they join the choir. Maybe they want to debate, so they become a debater. Maybe they're really good at basketball or any other sport, right? We want them to be involved, and we know working in high schools and there's all kinds of data that proves that if you are excited and you get involved in your school there is a better chance that you're going to be successful outside of school and beyond and so how does that apply to us in our christian world well we need to think about how to make things happen and in a spiritual example, this is a person that's maturing in their faith, someone who's applying God's word, not just by hearing, but by doing. James 1.22 tells us, be doers of the word. And if you have your Bibles this morning, you can follow along with me. Uh, I'll be jumping from different uh, passages to passages, so I'll try not to be too hasty in my reading right after I give you the reference. But if you want to turn to 1 Thessalonians 5, we'll start at verse 12. Here's some good example from, from Paul on how we as Christians ought to be living our life. 1 Thessalonians 5, chapter 12. And in Thessalonians, as I was reading and doing this study, uh, we find a church that Paul loved. And it was a church that had good examples towards other churches around it. However, was it a perfect church? No. There's no such thing as a perfect church. However, Paul saw some things in their hearts and their lives and challenge them in ways to incorporate all those things that they were doing right to continue to be an example. So in 1 Thessalonians 5, starting in verse 12. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all, See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always. Boy, do I need to read that verse daily. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. Abstain every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, and he will surely do it. So there's a lot of things wrapped up in that particular passage on how we ought to be living. And if we're going to make it happen as a Christian, if we're going to make it happen in our walk with Christ, we need to take a look at these particular items that were mentioned in 1 Thessalonians. But, you know, another way that we can see a person who is making it happen is that they're taking God's commands to heart, especially in the area of making disciples. We know uh, from all the different teachings we've had here in the last couple of years that one of our reasons for living and becoming a Christian is to make disciples. And we know the passage well. But if you turn to Matthew 28, we'll take a look at the Great Commission. But our role as a Christian in making it happen and being a successful Christian, and being a Christian that's really outgoing for God, is to follow the command of making disciples. And in Matthew 28, in verse 18, it says, 
And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And the idea here is that we're presenting the gospel as often and as much as possible as we possibly can. In Ephesians 4.15, it tells us not only are we supposed to be sharing the gospel with others, but we need to speak the truth in love. And I think that's something our world is missing today. Mature Christians that are willing to stand up for the gospel of Christ, but to do it in such a way that they express the love that Christ had for us. He loved us so much that he sent his son to die on the cross for us. And yet sometimes we get excited when people are, are interested in the gospel and in our fervor, we, we start to go down the path of what's wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong. And Jesus could save you from all this wrong, this wrong, this wrong. And we forget that main piece of loving people and recognizing that if we truly want to change people's lives and people's hearts, we've got to start by loving people and expressing that joy that Christ put in our heart because of what he's done through our salvation. I know I've been guilty of that in my life. There's been times when I was will more willing to judge a person for what I thought they were doing wrong than to simply come alongside of them and love on them and to tell them how much God loves them as well. But another way that we can see that these people are ones that make it happen is because they're always prepared to give an answer. And if you turn to 1 Peter 3.15, again, these are probably very familiar verses to most of us, but it's really good to take a look at that. I had a superintendent one time who used to tell us that it was so important to articulate the obvious. And I've used that in my career since then. And it's so funny how many people have come up to me after we've shared just some of these obvious things that we think everybody knows and say, hey, I'm glad you reminded us of that. So I hadn't thought of it in a while. And so it's good for us to come back to these verses. And in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, it says, But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet again, do it with gentleness and respect. So we see somebody who's making it happen is somebody who is following the commands of Christ, somebody who is trying to live a Christian life that is pleasing to God, who is focused on discipleship, and who is focused on presenting the gospel with love, and is always ready to give an answer. So what about the second person that we talk about? You have the person that's making it happen, but we have this other person, the person that likes to watch things happen. Now, in a school setting, we try to make this positive by saying, look, not everybody can be a starting guard on the basketball team for K-High, right? As much as us all think we have these skills of basketball, not all of us are going to be out there. Coach Stockhausen is not going to pick anybody out of the crowd and say, I want you to play on my team. He wants people that know the game, understand the positions, are willing to come to practice and put in the work. But people like me, who are always a good bench warmer, I knew I would never get in the game. So I had a very important role. And that role was to support those around me. Be a supporter. Be in the stands. Be a fan. Do what we can to encourage those people. So you could probably quickly see how this translates into the Christian realm. You know, we're not all equipped with the same spiritual gifts. Last couple of weeks, we've been studying in 1 Corinthians and and as we look at the list of the different gifts that have been given, we can honestly take a look at Scripture and know 
you know, maybe I haven't been called to be a preacher. Maybe I haven't been called to be a teacher. So what do I need to do? Well, we need to figure out what those gifts are, what those talents are that God has given us and use those for his glory. But when we do have the pastor who stands up here to preach on Sunday mornings, we don't all jump up together and get on the platform together. We all start preaching our own sermons, do we? That would be chaos. I don't know if I'd want to go to that church. <laughs> but we can be an encouragement to him and we can sit and listen. He can be an encouragement to us as he presents the gospel and presents his word or the word of the Lord in such a way that it encourages our hearts. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. We see a, a list here of, of the, the gifts and the talents. So if you want to turn to Ephesians 4, you can. But Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. It says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Again, we see this beautiful illustration of how we're one body. We must work together. And that means that we're all going to have different parts and different functions. And we need to make sure that we're using our particular part, our particular function in a way that is edifying one another and encouraging one another. And in Hebrews 10, 24 through 25, we see a little bit more of this understanding that our role as those who watch is to encourage in Hebrews 10, 24 says, let us, not, or let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together is in the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. So we need to take the time to come to church and to fellowship and be a part of the body of believers locally and globally. But I caution you about this particular person. There's a tendency for some to get too extreme in the area of watching. We start to become complacent. We start to get comfortable. And we start to realize that after a while, our watching has kind of turned into a non-active participation. And we come to church and we sit and we enjoy the sermon, but that's as far as we take it. Our goal as Christians should never to be one who is in this category of being somebody who watches things happen. Our goal should always be the first person, to become the person who makes it happen and dip down every once in a while as a watcher, but constantly moving back to becoming this doer, becoming somebody who's making it happen. All of us in this room are very familiar with the game Simon Says, right? You get up here and you say, Simon Says, and then what are you supposed to do when Simon Says it? You do it. And if Simon doesn't says it, or no, Simon doesn't says it, <laughs> I think I need to go back to school. But Simon doesn't say it, then what are you supposed to do? Not do it, right? Okay. Well, we've been really good at understanding and following Scripture and recognizing what Scripture says, and we memorize Scripture really well. 
But there's that part of doing more than just memorization. I think a lot of us could memorize a lot of verses and really could bring them up to heart as we talk about what God wants us to do. But how many of us really are, are going out on a daily basis seeking opportunities for discipleship? You know, I'm, I'm as guilty as everybody else. We know what the Bible says. We understand what God wants to do to be obedient. And yet there are times in our life where we're like, well, I know what God wants and I'll do it eventually. But God wants us to act. He wants us to be obedient. So it's okay to be a watcher for a while, but don't get so complacent that you stay in that category. And we understand that our purpose is to make disciples. And the other interesting thing is, it's difficult to share the gospel of Christ if we're not living it. In Matthew chapter 23, there's verses 3 through 5. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees here. And he says, So do and observe whatever they tell you, but not the works they do. For they preach, but they do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and they lay them on people's shoulders. But they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. They do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. So as Christians, we may be going out and telling people that we're Christians, but if people aren't seeing that we're taking what we say to be true and applying it to our lives and living that out daily, pretty soon we're going to have a tough time making disciples. In James chapter 1, verse 22, going back to that passage, Again, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving ourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, He's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he's like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he'll be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So again, there are moments and times in our Christian life when it's important to be someone who watches, someone who participates as a spectator, one who encourages others in that capacity, but it never should be our desire to just stay put. It should never be our desire to have all the knowledge of the Bible and to memorize all of these wonderful facts and ideas of, of biblical living and Christian living, but yet never go out and live it. And it just confuses people to where when you try to talk to them and disciple them, they're not interested in whatever you're offering because you're not living it yourself. But then there's the third person. This is my favorite one to share with the kids because um, we, we typically see this so much in high school to a certain degree, those that wonder, what happened? <laughs> right? I mean, we can, we can all think of a few high school kids that we met in our day who we thought, are they ever going to get a clue, right? Are they ever going to figure this out? And in the school context, what I tell these people are, these are the students that don't, don't apply themselves. And it could be a variety of reasons. We know that there are lots of things happening in students' lives these days. We know that home situations aren't what they were 50 years ago. We understand that the pressures of today can be very difficult. But when you have a student that doesn't apply themselves, they don't get connected into a peer group, they don't get connected into school anyway, that the statistics for them to be able to graduate on time or that they're gonna be successful after graduation is very 
very slim. And we work so hard in a school setting to try to find these kids and come alongside them and be an adult that cares and to show them what they need. And so what should our response be as a Christian? Well, I think as a Christian example of people who say what happened are those that may have heard the gospel at one point in time but never did anything with it. These are people that have decided that life's okay on their own. They've figured it out. They don't necessarily need God right now. Or maybe it's a person who never has heard of the gospel for one reason or another and get to the end of their life and still wonder, is there more to life? I feel like I've missed something. So what should our response be? Well, we have an obligation to these people. As Christians, we should be looking for the what happened people and come alongside them and love on them. Second Peter 3.9 tells us, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. God doesn't want these people to live in isolation. God doesn't want these people to live in darkness. He doesn't want them to be separated from him. And we're his instruments of sharing the gospel. He's given us that command. We've talked about it already, the Great Commission. That is our role as Christians to go out and spread the love of Christ. And it's essential that our hearts become broken for these people. As I was doing this study, I, was, I found this passage in Romans 9. And you can turn there and read these first three verses. Paul was a very passionate person. You read any of the books that he wrote in the New Testament, and you're going to see the depth of his love for the churches that he works with, the heartfelt anguish he had when, when he knew that people were not living a right life with God. And Paul should know something about that because he was a man who persecuted Christians and did everything he could to destroy them. And God humbled him, something fierce, and changed his heart to where then he wanted to turn to make sure that people weren't being destroyed because of Christianity, but people were brought to Christianity to see the light that Christ could do in their hearts. In Romans 9, verses 1 through 3, it says, I'm speaking the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience bears me witness to the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. And Paul was specifically talking about his Jewish brothers and sisters. But for us, we know that the gift of salvation is for everybody. And when we know that there are people out there who don't have Christ in their lives, have never accepted Christ as their personal Savior, that should create an anguish in our heart to share this good news of the gospel. This is something that I have been working on, you know, and, and so I'm not trying to be up here this morning and act like I've got it all together and that I'm walking around this earth in anguish over my lost friends. But we really should be in a place where it bothers us that people are not saved. Our hearts should be broken because we know what awaits them when they don't choose salvation. There's that eternal separation from God. 2 Thessalonians 1.9 says they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. 
sometimes we get so wrapped up in this idea of hell being this place of torment and we talk about the fire and we talk about the wailing and the gnashing of teeth and all those descriptions but the worst thing about hell is that eternal separation from God and we have an opportunity to tell people there's a better way and that we can share with them from the gospel how they too can be saved. Luke 19.10 tells us that Jesus came to seek and save the lost. So if that was his whole purpose of being here, then that should be our purpose too. We fight so hard sometimes to, to look for lost possessions, don't we? I mean, how many times have you gotten so frustrated and been so irritated because you can't find your cell phone? <laughs> Sorry, my head had a little weird reaction there. Apologies. Hospitals and throw things in church. In all seriousness, though, think about how much time and effort we put into finding things that really have no value beyond this life. And yet, people have value beyond this life. There's a chance for them to spend eternity with our Lord and Savior. And if we put that kind of effort in reaching others for the gospel of Christ, think of what we can do for this community. So this morning, in conclusion, I just want us to think, which person are you? Which person are you? I pray that none of you are the last person and wondering right now, what happened? <laughs> However, I just want to remind you there's hope for you this morning. If you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, do you know that 2 Corinthians 6.2 tells us that today is the day of salvation? Today is the day of salvation. Don't let it slip by you. Take time today to come to a saving relationship with Jesus. God loves you. And I said before, he sent his only son to die for you and to be on that cross to take your sins. And be encouraged that God doesn't want you to be separated from him any longer. Christian, has it been a while since you've been making things happen? You know, there's a time and a place for watching things. And I hope that you're encouraged today that God has a plan for you. And you're reminded, the last few weeks we've talked about this and brought it back up again today, that God has made you special. He's given you gifts. He's given you abilities. He's given you talents. And he wants you to use those to further the kingdom. Don't settle for just watching things happen your whole life. It's time to go and make things happen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father God, we just thank you for your word and what it means to us. And I thank you for the example that we could share this morning and the three different types of people. And God... I know from Scripture that you want us to be that person that makes things happen. So I ask that you challenge our hearts this morning to not just be complacent and watching, but that we are about the business of doing. God, if there's anybody here in this room this morning who's never accepted you as their personal Savior and has never understood what it means to be saved or it means to be a Christian, that we would have the opportunity this morning to meet with them and talk with them and show them from your word what it means to be saved. Like your word says, today is the day of salvation. We 
just hope that people make it so. God, we have a, a hurting world out there. Help our hearts to become passionate and compassionate for those that are lost. And that we would be unsettled knowing that there are people in our community, those people around us that you've called neighbors that need this message. That we would take it to them and make disciples. We love you, Lord. And we just ask now as we finish the service and worship, get ready to pray for those students that are getting ready to go off to school. That you've continued to bless the service in this time. We just ask also Jesus' name.